السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما باب من لم يتوضا الا من الغشي المثقل باب تشابتر من ذا وان هو لم يتوضا هي ديد نوت برفورم وضوء مينينغ هي ديد نوت كونسيدر ات نيسيساري تو ريبيت هيز وضوء to perform wudu again illa except in the case of min al ghashi from al ghashi the overcoming it refers to sleep that is al musqil that is heavy deep in other words he did not repeat his wudu he did not consider that repeating that performing wudu was necessary except in the case when he was overcome by heavy and deep sleep so this chapter it discusses does light sleep break one's wudu or not this is what this chapter is about does light sleep break one's wudu and ghashi is not just sleep okay it's basically when a person's senses are overcome and the causes of this are many it could be sleep it could be unconsciousness it could be because a person was given some kind of anesthesia or he was in a lot of pain so he's in and out of consciousness So this is what Rashi refers to. This is not majnoon, being majnoon. That's completely different. This is when a person's senses are not working temporarily because of whatever reason. And this is generally of two types. One is that a person has no idea what's going on. No idea whatsoever. And the other kind is when a person has some kind of idea as to what's going on. The first type is when a person is completely unconscious. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know if he's sitting, he's lying down. who's taking him who's talking to him who's pouring water on him he has no idea whatsoever it's like complete blackout and the other kind is that a person is in his senses but not fully so he knows there are people he's trying to say something but he cannot he's trying to drink water but he cannot you know awake asleep that kind of feeling so al-ghashi al-musqil is the second type that we're talking about because in the first case where a person is completely unconscious or he's in deep sleep then definitely that will break wudu that will definitely break wudu because a person has no idea what was happening but the second kind in which a person is between consciousness and unconsciousness that does not break wudu and that was the opinion of imam bukhari has anyone had that experience fainting so she's mentioning what how when her wisdom teeth were extracted they had put rv so because of that she could not see anything but she could hear everything that was going on So this is the second kind of faintness which is the light faintness it's not the heavy one okay so she's mentioning about how once she fainted and she could hear things she had an idea what was happening but she could not move she could not talk so this is the second kind of unconsciousness so if there is some kind of medicine which causes a person to be drowsy so again that does not break one's wudu so unconsciousness that is complete that takes that just like heavy sleep that a person has no idea as to what's happening that does nullify wudu but the light kind it does not nullify wudu i remember once i fell unconscious and the last thing i remember was that i was standing and i don't know what happened then and the next thing that i remember is when i opened up my eyes i was in somebody's lap and they were trying to pour water on me and i was in a completely different place so what happened in between i have no idea so that nullifies wudu 
But if you remember that, okay, you were calling somebody and you could see and then you could not see and you could hear and you could not hear, that is light unconsciousness and that does not break one's wudu. So when somebody is trying to wake you up for Fajr, right, and you hear your mother coming, turning on the light and telling you to wake up and you're like, yeah, I'm waking up. And then she goes away and you hear her going when she comes back and you hear her coming. So you know what's happening, but you don't want to get up. You're kind of sleeping, but you're not sleeping really. That is light sleep. Okay. So anyway, zawalul aql, okay, zawalul aql, when a person's aql intellect is not really working fully, that is of two types. One is when a person's aql is completely gone, so that nullifies wudu. And the other is the lighter kind, so that does not break one's wudu. So basically, if you think about it, it's about idraq. Can you perceive or not? Okay, if you can perceive, does not break wudu. If you cannot perceive at all, nothing at all, then that definitely breaks wudu. What's the evidence of this? حدثنا إسماعيل قال حدثني مالك عن هشام بن عروة عن امرأته فاطمة عن جدتها. So Fatima from her جدتها. Who's Jadda? Grandmother. So Fatima narrated from her grandmother. Who's her grandmother? أسماء بنت أبي بكر. رضي الله عنها. قالت she said أتيت عائشة I came to Aisha, Zawja Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hina at the time when Khasafat al-Shamsu, the sun eclipsed, meaning it was a solar eclipse. And if it's a solar eclipse, obviously when would it happen? During the daytime. And when it's an eclipse, that means that it's completely dark now. So imagine daytime, and it's like night all of a sudden. So it was something strange that had happened. فَإِذَا النَّاسُ So the people then, قِيَامٌ They were standing, يُصَلُّونَ They were praying. So all the people were standing, praying salah. Which salah is this? Salat al-Khusur, right? The eclipse prayer. وَإِذَا هِيَ قَائِمَةٌ And there she was standing. Who was? Aisha رضي الله عنها. Because Asma came to her. When she realized what was happening, she went to Aisha رضي الله عنها immediately. And when she went to her house, she found her praying to Sadli. فَقُلْتُ So I said, what is with the people? Why are they praying? But Aisha herself was praying. So Asma asked her that why are the people praying? What's going on? So she pointed with her hand towards the sky. She pointed towards the sky in her salah. And she said, Subhanallah. In her salah, Aisha said, Subhanallah. So I said, meaning Asma, she said, Ayatun? Is it an ayah? Meaning a miracle? Like something strange is happening? Fa'asharat. So she indicated, Aynaam. Meaning yes. How would she have pointed in her salah? Indicated. What kind of gesture would it be? A nodding of the head. Fa'qumtu. So I also stood. Hatta until tajallani al-ghashyu. Until the faintness overcame me. I was overcome by faintness. Waja'altu. And I began asubbu i was pouring fawqa ra'si above my head ma and water so in that state of unconsciousness asma began pouring water on her head what kind of faintness is this the second kind right because she was able to move right and she's able to describe what happened in that state falamma then when in sarafa he turned away rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam meaning he said the salam he finished the Salah. In siraf from salah is to end the salah by turning one's face on the right and the left, meaning saying the salam. 
So in other words, when he finished the prayer, حَمِدَ اللَّهَ He praised Allah. وَأَثْنَى عَلَيْهِ And he repeated the praise, meaning he praised him. ثُمَّ قَالَ And then he said, مَا مِن شَيْءٍ There is no thing. كُنْتُ That I was لَمْ أَرَهُ That I did not see. There is nothing that I had not seen إِلَّا except قَدْ رَأَيْتُهُ That in fact I have now seen it. There is nothing that I had not seen before except that I saw it now. فِي مَقَامِ هَذَا In this place, in this standing place of mine, meaning in this very place that I was standing and praying, حَتَّى even الْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّارِ Even the paradise and hellfire. There is nothing of the matters of the unseen that I had not seen before except that I saw it in this position of mine while I was praying. Even the paradise and hellfire. وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ And certainly it was revealed to me, meaning in this prayer, that أَنَّكُمْ That indeed you تُفْتَنُونَ You will be tested. You will be tried. فِي الْقُبُورِ In the graves. مِثْلَ Similar to أَوْ or قَرِيبًا Near, close to. مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الدَّجَّال The fitna of Dajjal. Meaning you will be tested in your graves just as the test of Dajjal. Just as the fitna of Dajjal a very similar test you will go through in the grave. لَا أَدْرِي أَيَّ ذَلِكَ قَالَتْ أَسْمَاء أسماء said, I don't know which one was that. Did the Prophet ﷺ say مثل or قريب? I don't know which one he said. If you take the meaning of مثل, then what does it mean? Just as the fitna of the jal is really severe, likewise the fitna of the qabr is also very severe. If you take the meaning of قريب, then it means very, very soon. That time is not too far when you will be tested in the grave. يُؤْتَ أَحَدُكُمْ One of you will be brought. فَيُقَالُوا So it will be said, مَا عِلْمُكَ What is your knowledge? بِهَذَا الرَّجُلُ With this man. What do you know about this man? A person will be asked in the grave. فَأَمَّا الْمُؤْمِنُ So as for the believer, أَوِ الْمُوْقِنُ Or the muqin, meaning the one who has certainty. The one who believes with conviction. He will say, قَالَتْ أَسْمَى أَسْمَى said, لَا أَدْرِي أَيَّ ذَلِكَ قَالَتْ أَسْمَى I don't know which one the Prophet ﷺ said. Whether he said mu'min or muqin. فَيَقُولُ So as for the believer, he will say, هُوَ مُحَمَّدٌ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ He is Muhammad Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم. جَاءَنَا بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ He came to us with clear proofs. وَالْهُدَى And the guidance. فَأَجَبْنَا So we responded to him. وَآمَنَّا And we believed وَاتَّبَعْنَا And we followed فَيُقَالُوا So it will be said to him نَمْ Sleep صَالِحًا As a righteous one نَمْ صَالِحًا That just sleep peacefully, comfortably فَقَدْ عَلِمْنَا For in fact we know إِن كُنْتَ Indeed you are لَمُؤْمِنًا Surely a believer In over here does not mean if It means indeed Why? Because of La mu'minan. La means surely. So before that, when in comes, it means indeed. فَقَدْ عَلِمْنَا إِن كُنْتَ لَمُؤْمِنًا Certainly we know that you are a believer. وَأَمَّا الْمُنَافِقْ And as for the hypocrite, أَوِلْ murtab Or the one who is in doubt, لَا أَدْرِي أَيَّ ذَلِكَ قَالَتْ أَسْمَا I don't know which one she said. فَيَقُولُ So he will say, لَا أَدْرِي I do not know. سَمِعْتُ النَّاسَ 
I heard the people. يَقُولُونَ شَيْئًا They used to say something. فَقُلْتُهُ So I would also say that same thing. I don't know about this man. I heard the people saying that he was a messenger, so I also said the same thing. So why is Imam Bukhari using this hadith to prove that light and consciousness does not nullify one's wudu? Because in that prayer, Asma, she fell unconscious, but she poured water on her head herself to regain her senses, right? And she did not repeat wudu. So this shows that if a person experiences light unconsciousness, he has some idea as to what's happening, then that does not nullify his or her wudu. Now this incident that is mentioned in this hadith happened on the 29th of Shawwal in the 10th year after Hijrah. In the 10th year after Hijrah. And this is when the son of the Prophet ﷺ, Ibrahim, passed away. right? And the people said that that Khusuf, the solar eclipse, happened because of the death of his son. And the Prophet ﷺ addressed the people and he said, no, it does not happen because of the death of someone or the birth of someone. This is of the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah shows to us. But we see that the way of the Prophet ﷺ at this occasion was what? That he prayed. He led people in prayer. And the rest of the people prayed as well. And what kind of salah was it? It was extremely long. So much so that Asma, she fell unconscious. She could not stand any longer. You can imagine how exhausted, how tired she must have been that she fell unconscious. So it shows that Salatul Khusuf is Masnoon. The Prophet ﷺ prayed it when there was solar eclipse. And the Qiyam, the Rukur, the Sujood in that Salah is supposed to be very, very long. Because it's a great sign. This is not something that's ordinary, that's normal. That for the sun to be eclipsed and in daytime it's completely dark. So it's a great warning as well, right? That Allah can cause a situation to change within moments. Anything can happen. That the sun is up in the sky, bright, giving you light. You think this will remain like this forever? Allah can change it anytime. So it's a great warning and Allah shows us these signs so that we become afraid, fearful of His punishment. So this is why we see the Prophet ﷺ stood up praying salah for a very, very long time. And Aisha ﷺ, in her prayer, while she was praying salah, Asma, when she asked her what's going on, she pointed towards the sky. And then she pointed again, meaning she gestured with her head. Okay, So there were two ishara, and there was one statement, subhanallah. Would that not nullify her prayer, break her salah? No. Why? Because with regards to saying subhanallah, it is permissible for a person to say that in the salah. You say, Subhana Rabbiyal Azim, Subhana Rabbiyal A'la. Likewise, the men, if they have to correct the imam, right, what do they say? Subhanallah. So likewise, saying Subhanallah in salah is permissible. Okay, it doesn't mean that you start saying on every little thing. No. When a person is praying, his focus should be the salah. But if for some reason, he has to say subhanallah, then it is permissible. Secondly, we see the two gestures. One towards the sky, and one, the nodding of the head. How could she do that in prayer? This is a very small gesture. Okay? So it is okay. This is just like the Prophet ﷺ, in the salah, he moved Ibn Abbas from one side to the other. Right? He moved him by his ear. Right? From his left side to his right side. So it's a very... Small gesture. So this is permissible when there is a need. 
Okay? When there is a need. It doesn't mean that we start moving on every little thing. When there is a need, it is permissible to do that. Then we see that the Prophet ﷺ, after the prayer, he did hamd and sana. What is hamd? Praise. What is sana? Praise. What's the difference between the two? Hamd is wasful mahmud bil kamal. To mention or to describe someone in the most perfect terms. To describe someone in the most perfect terms, with the most perfect attributes. Obviously they have to be correct and true. And sana is takrar of that wasf. Okay, it is repetition of that description. Because the word sana is from saniyun. And saniyun is to double. So sana is to repeat that good mention of someone. This is just like when you're praising someone, you say, MashaAllah, she's so good. You know, MashaAllah, MashaAllah, she is so good. Like you keep saying it again and again in different ways. Correct? So that is sana. Hamd is just the good description. Okay? So for example, good. Good is what? Hamd. Always on time. Hamd. Beautiful. This is what? Hamd. But when you say she is so beautiful, she is such and such, she is such and such, and you will mention it repeatedly, then it becomes sana. So the Prophet ﷺ did hamd and sana. He mentioned the perfect attributes of Allah and he repeated them. So it became praise. And then he mentioned that in the prayer he saw everything that Allah had informed him of, but he had not seen it yet. Obviously this was, this does not mean every single thing, but it means everything that was relevant in that particular context. Because you know that kulla shay' does not mean every single thing that exists. Kulla shay' is also limited to certain contexts. Like the queen of Saba. With regards to her, the Hudhud said that she has been given وَأُوتِيَتْ min kulli shay' And she has been given everything. But was she given every single thing? No. Because if you think that kulli shay' means everything over here, then everything and everyone, then it would mean the Prophet ﷺ would also have seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we know that he did not see Allah. Because he himself said that Allah is nur. Anna urahu. How can I see him? Allah himself says that لا تدريكو absar That the eyes, the vision cannot perceive him. So there were many things with regards to the unseen, the ghayb, that were shown to the Prophet ﷺ while he was still standing in that maqam. Of those things that he was shown was Jannah. And we learn from another hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, leap forward in order to take of the fruit or of the food of Jannah. But he didn't. And likewise, another hadith tells us that he also saw the hellfire. And he saw some people who were being punished in that fire. Amongst them were Amr ibn Luhay al-Khuzari, the man who introduced idolatry to the Arabs. What kind of punishment was he suffering? He was dragging his own intestines. Because he introduced shirk, idolatry, in Arabia, causing so many people to go astray. So many, many people. Amongst those whom he saw being tormented in hellfire was also a woman who had locked up a cat so that it starved to death. She locked up that cat so that that cat had nothing to eat. It could not even go get some food and it starved to death. And that woman, the Prophet ﷺ, saw being tormented in the hellfire because of this crime. 
because of this abuse. So he saw Jannah and he also saw hellfire. And upon seeing all of this, he was greatly affected. He was greatly affected. So he addressed the people, warning them that, Oh people, it has been revealed to me that you will be tested in the grave. The test of the grave is a reality. It's a fact that no person, no individual can ignore. None of us can ignore that. Because it's a fact. Every one of us is going to die. Every one of us is going to go in his or her grave. And when we end up there, we will be tested. No one is spared from it. No individual is spared from it. The angels are going to come to us and they are going to ask us about Allah, about the Prophet ﷺ, about the deen. They are going to ask us. And this is not a small test. You know, if ever you are alone and you're overcome by fear and you're panicking, even the things that you're so sure of, do they come out of your mouth easily? No, they don't. Sometimes you cannot even recall your own phone number. You cannot even recall the phone number of your husband, of your father. You can't because you're in that state of fear. You're panicking so much that you don't know what's going on. Even the things that you're so sure of, they're a big part of your life. You're not able to recall them. You're not able to mention them. People are asking you, where are you from? Can we help you? What's your phone number? What's your address? And you cannot speak at that time. So in the grave, when the angels come, who will be able to respond? The mu'min, the muqin, the one who believes with certainty, with conviction. He will be able to say that he was the messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whom we believed in, whom we accepted, whom we followed. Because something that is really a part of your life, okay? that is a major part of your life, that's on your mind all the time, then at the time of difficulty, it does come out of your mouth. I saw a video of this man who was in the state of unconsciousness and he was reciting the Qur'an. And he was reciting with a lot of difficulty, but it was coming out of his mouth. It was coming out of his mouth. He was able to recite it. So who will be able to pass the test successfully, easily? The one who has yaqeen. And at this time, we all need to reflect on ourselves that how many times is it that I think about the Prophet ﷺ in a day? How many times is it that I consciously, you know, send salat and salam upon him? That I praise him? I think about his sunnah. I think about his ways. I think about the warnings that he gave, the good news that he gave, the encouragement he gave. How many times is it that I think about him? Because if we don't, then how is that in the grave easily his name will come out? His description will come out of our mouths. That in Surah Ali Imran, in the last 10 verses, it also mentioned that, that رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا يُنَادِي لِلْإِيمَانِ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ فَآمَنَّا So the response that's mentioned over here is that the mu'min, the mu'qin will say that هُوَ مُحَمَّدُ الرَّسُولُ اللَّهِ He is Muhammad, the messenger of Allah. صلى الله عليه وسلم جَاءَنَا بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالْهُدَى We were in misguidance, we were in ignorance, we were in error. And He brought us the truth. He brought us guidance. He brought us the clear evidences. So this can only come out of the mouth of the person who has been through that transformation, right? Who accepts, who realizes that I was wrong before. I was wrong before. I was in error. I was in misguidance. And then when I heard, when I learned about what the Prophet ﷺ taught, then I got bayinat, I got huda. فَأَجَبْنَا So we responded 
to his dua, to his call. وَآمَنَّا And we believed in him, in whatever that he informed us of. وَاتَّبَعْنَا And we also followed him. فَيُقَالُوا So it will be said, نَمْ Sleep. This is the most comforting thing that a person could be told at that time. Sleep. You know, if you ever have to wait for a day for something to happen, for an hour for something to happen, that waiting time becomes so heavy for you, so difficult for you. Even if it's just an hour or two. But if you spend that time sleeping, then what happens? That time goes by so quickly and you don't even realize. And like if people are taking a very long flight, some people, they're not able to sleep in an airplane. They're not able to sleep at all. And so the whole time, those 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours, they're just sitting down or walking around or watching something or listening to something or reading something, trying to pass that time. And become so difficult for them. And other people, the moment they get into their seat, until almost the moment the plane lands, they're sleeping through. And I've witnessed many times, some people that just sleep through the entire flight. And for them, that whole flight is so easy. Hours go by so quickly. But a person who is awake, every minute is difficult. Every single minute is difficult. Now think about it. The day of judgment, when is it going to come? It could be thousands of years from now. Thousands of years. And just the thought of being in the grave, being in that closed, tight place under the earth, all alone, it's very scary. And if a person is told, sleep through this whole time until the Day of Judgment happens, that's the best thing he could be told. Nam salihan. فَقَدْ عَلِمْنَا إِن كُنْتَ لَمُؤْمِنًا The angels testify to his iman. We know that you are indeed a believer. And as for the munafiq, or the person who has doubt in his heart, then he will say, لا أدري سمعت الناس يقولون شيئا فقلته I just used to repeat what the rest of the people would say. There are some people who believe consciously, who know what they believe in, who do what they do because they have made that choice. And there are other people who just imitate others, who don't know what they're doing and why they're doing it. They were just told that yes, we are Muslims and we believe in Allah and we believe in the Prophet ﷺ and that's about it. They don't know what he said, what he did, what he taught, what he liked, what he disliked, what his sunnah was. No. So there is a difference, right? In this dunya and also in the grave. If you look at the response of the muqin, that فَأَجَبْنَا وَآمَنَّا tabarna, We responded, we believed, and we followed. Ittibar is also necessary. Following the Prophet ﷺ is also very important. There's a lot of emphasis on following the latest trends, the latest ideas, latest ideology, latest way to decorate your home, like whatever. Just blind following whatever's there. But as a Muslim, you have to live with consciousness. Yes. You're making your decisions. And if you live with that consciousness now, then in the eternity where it really matters, you get the rest and relaxation. So consciously following the Prophet ﷺ as well, where we have to make every decision in life, Consciously, we have to consciously follow the Prophet ﷺ as well. In the Quran, Allah says, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ السَّابِتِ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ Allah gives stability to those people who believe with the قَوْلِ السَّابِتِ Where? In the dunya and also in the hereafter. And the first step to the hereafter is when? In the grave. So, who will be able to say, Allahu Rabbi? That Muhammad وسلم, is the messenger of Allah. My deen is Islam. Who will be able to say that? The one who lives by it in this world as well. 
I was just kind of trying to relate something about the grave to something that's happened to me in life. And I remember a year back, my mom got into a car crash. And I, my sister, we were at the hospital. And my sister was able to fall asleep. But then I was up walking around the place and I couldn't sleep. And each second, literally, I was counting the time go by. And I just realized how horrible that was. And just, it was literally 25 minutes. And to think that I could be in my grave for another thousand years in that state if I didn't believe in Allah. Wiping the head entirely. Meaning when it comes to wiping the head in wudu, is it necessary to wipe the entire head all the way from the beginning of the head to the front part of the head to the back of the head or wiping just a part of the head is sufficient? Allah ta'ala because of the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ And wipe your heads. Imam Bukhari was of the opinion that the entire head has to be wiped. A person cannot just wipe a part of the head. No. The entire head should be wiped. Why? Because Allah says, وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ Wipe your heads. And the word ras it applies to the beginning of the head all the way to the nape of the neck and from one ear to the other. So this whole area is considered as the head. So, وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ means you have to wipe the entire head. Now, some scholars have said that this ba in بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ ba is of tabi'id, meaning a part of your head, some of your head. However, other scholars, they have strongly disagreed with this and they have said that in the Arabic language, the word ba is never used for tabi'id. It's never used to indicate some or part of. So, وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ means wipe. Wipe what? All of your head. وَقَالَ ابْنُ الْمُسَيِّبِ And Ibn al-Musayyib said, الْمَرْأَةُ The woman is بِمَنْزِلَةِ الرَّجُلِ At the same position as that of the man when it comes to wiping the head, that she also has to تَمْسَحُ عَلَى رَأْسِهَا She has to wipe the head as well. She has to wipe the entire head. وَسُؤِلَ مَالِكٌ And Malik, Imam Malik was asked, أَيُّجْزِئُ Is it sufficient أَن يَمْسَحَ that he wipes الرأسي, some of the head. Is it sufficient that a person just wipes part of the head? فَاحْتَجَّ So he argued, meaning he proved بِحَدِيثِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ زَيْدِ With the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zayd, which will be the following hadith, meaning he disagreed that no, you cannot wipe just part of the head, you have to wipe all of it. And the evidence he took from the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zayd. Now, when it comes to the head, Remember that it begins from the front part of the head. Okay, so where your forehead begins, behind that is your head all the way to the nape of the neck and between the ears. And this means that the hair is not included. All of the hair is not included. So for example, if a woman has long hair, does she have to wipe all of her hair too? No, she doesn't need to. If a person has no hair on their head, then do they have to wipe their head? Yes, they still have to. Or if a person has very little hair on their head, they have baldness from the front. Again, do they have to wipe that part? Yes, they do. So regardless of whether there's long hair or short hair or no hair, the head is the head. It has to be wiped. And it does not include the neck. Okay, Your neck, you don't have to wipe. And it does not include the beard either. The beard is also not included in the mas'h of the ras. But remember, that when a person is wiping the head, then he also has to wipe the ears. And in the ahadith that we will learn over here, they don't mention wiping of the ear. Why? Because 
it was understood that when the people wiped their head, they would also wipe their ears. And there's a hadith in Tirmidhi which says that Al-Uzunani min al-Ras. The two ears are from the head, meaning they're part of the head. So when you wipe the head, then the ears are included. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن عمر بن يحيى المازني عن أبيه أن رجلا قال لعبد الله بن زيد وهو جد عمر بن يحيى. So a man said to him, أتستطيع أن تريني؟ أتستطيع؟ Are you capable? Meaning, could you please show me أن تريني? Could you please show me? كيف كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يتوضأ؟ How did the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam perform wudu? فَقَالَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ زَيْدٍ نَعْمْ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ زَيْدٍ said, Yes, I can show you. فَدَعَى بِمَاءٍ So he asked for some water. فَأَفْرَغَ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ So then he poured it on his hands. Why? In order to wash his hands before putting them into the water. فَغَسَلَ يَدَهُ مَرَّتَيْنِ So he washed his hand twice. ثُمَّ مَضْمَضَ وَاسْتَنْسَرَ سَلَاسًا Then he rinsed his mouth and he cleaned his nose. How many times? Three times. ثُمَّ غَسَلَ وَجْهَهُ سَلَاثًا Then he washed his face three times. ثُمَّ غَسَلَ يَدَيْهِ مَرَّتَيْنِ مَرَّتَيْنِ إِلَى الْمِرْفَقَيْنِ Then he washed his hands up to the elbows. How many times? Twice. Meaning his arms he washed up to the elbows two times. ثُمَّ مَسَحَ رَأْسَهُ بِيَدَيْهِ Then he wiped his head with both his hands. How? فَأَقْبَلَ بِهِمَا وَأَدْبَرَ فَأَقْبَلَ That he started from the front and وَأَدْبَرَ and also wiped the back. And then he explained it that بَدَأَ He began بِمُقَدَّمِ رَأْسِهِ From the forefront, the front part of the head. حَتَّى until ذَهَبَ بِهِمَا He went with them too, meaning he took both his hands to إِلَى قَفَاهُ To the nape of the neck. ثُمَّ رَدَّهُمَا Then he returned them both إِلَى الْمَكَانِ To the place الَّذِي بَدَأَ From which he began. الَّذِي بَدَأَ مِنْهُ So in other words, he started wiping from the front part of the head. He wiped all the way to the nape of the neck. And then he brought the hands back to the front part to where he had started the mas'h from summa ghasala rijlayhi and then he washed his feet so we see that mas'h of the head how many times is it done once okay and also how is it to be done that you have to start from the front taking the hands all the way to the back and then bring them back to the front now for men it seems very easy but for women whose hair are you know, tied backwards, then how are you supposed to bring your hands back? Bringing your hands back does not mean that you turn the direction of your hair, okay? But that you have to wipe over. Okay, so yes, your hair style will get ruined a little bit, but you have to bring your hands back. And you can also touch parts of the head and bring your hands back to the front. But the point of going front to back and back to front is to make sure that all of the hair do get wiped. Washing the hair is not necessary. This wiping is sufficient. Bab ghasli rijlaini ilal ka'bain. Ghasli washing of both the feet ilal ka'bain to the ankles. Washing the feet up to the ankles. Meaning, when a person is washing the feet, then are the ankles included or not? 
they are included even they have to be washed the ankles should not left should not be left dry حدثنا موسى قال حدثنا وهيب عن عمر عن ابيه شهدت عمرو بن ابي حسن سال عبد الله بن زيد عن وضوء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that عمر ابن ابي حسن he asked abdullah ibn zaid about the wudu of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam fada'a so he called meaning he asked for bitawrin mimma'in tawr is a container okay a pot you can say it's a pot so he asked for a pot of water to be brought fatawadda'a lahum then he performed wudu for them wudu an-nabiy sallallahu alaihi wasallam just like the wudu of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam how did he do it fa'akfa'a so he poured ala yadihi upon his hand min at-tawr from the pot of water so from the pot he poured some water onto his hands faghsala yadayhi thalasan and then he washed his hands three times in the previous hadith what was mentioned two times here we see three times so it's okay you can wash your hands once you can wash them twice and you can also wash them thrice just as we know that that is the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam thumma adkhala yadahu fi at-tawr and then he entered his hand into the pot so he washed his hands before putting them into the pot famadmada wastanshaqa wastansara thalatha gharafatin with three handfuls of water one after the other what did he do with the same handful he also rinsed his mouth part of it was used for rinsing the mouth part of it was used for sniffing up into the nose and then blowing out and he did this how many times three times thumma adkhala yadahu then he entered his hand into the pot faghsala wajhahu thalathan and he washed his face three times so he scooped up water in his hands and he washed his face three times ثم ادخل يده فغسل يديه مرتين الى المرفقين مرتين then he entered his hands into the pot again and he washed his arms all the way to the elbows how many times two times ثم ادخل يده فمسح راسه then he entered his hand and wiped his head فاقبل بهما وادبر مره واحدا same thing front to back back to front how many times one ثُمَّ غَسَلَ رِجْلَيْهِ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ Then he washed his feet up to the ankles, meaning including the ankles. Now, what we see over here is that it's not necessary that the number of times you wash your hands, the same number of times you wash your face and you wash your arms and you wash your feet. No. It's best that you keep the number consistent, that if you washed your hands once, then you wash the rest of the body parts once as well. If you wash them twice, then you keep the same number throughout the wudu. Three, same number. number throughout the wudu that is the best thing because consistency is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes but if for whatever reason a person is not able to let's say he forgot or he didn't remember how many times he washed his hands then there's no harm now typically what happens we are washing our hands under the running tap and we're just washing our hands with the soap we don't count how many times we're washing so it's okay it's not a big deal Ideal is that you keep the number consistent but if it's not possible then there's no harm in that. Bab isti'mali using fadli the leftover wudu'in nas the water of people. Wudu with the fatha is the water that is used for performing wudu. Wudu with the dhamma is the action the fi'l of wudu and wudu with the fatha is the water. 
that is used for washing. So using the leftover wudu water, meaning a person did wudu from a vessel, from a pot, from a container, they didn't use all of the water, there was still some leftover. Can you use that water to do wudu? Yeah? Or just because they touched it, they put their hand into it, so it's become unclean now, so you cannot use it. No, there's no harm. So what we see over here is that as long as the water is clean, it is clean from impurity, you can use it to perform wudu. This is just like we learned earlier that if a person washed their hair and that water was collected in a bowl, can you use that water for performing wudu? Yes, you can, as long as there was no impurity on the hair. And the word fadl, what does it mean? Extra, right? So it means leftover. In many places, especially in Turkey, they have these pools of water basins where there's water and there are like seats around that pool and people are sitting and performing wudu from the same water. Now obviously whatever they're using is falling outside, but the water that's inside has been touched by many people. Right? It has been used by many people. So is it permissible to use that? It's perfectly fine. There's no harm. As long as you know that it's not najis. وَأَمَرَ And he instructed who? Jarir ibn Abdullah. He instructed Ahlahu, his family, أَن يَتَوَضَّأُوا That they perform wudu بِفَضْلِ With the leftover water of سِوَاكِهِ Of his سِوَاك Many times the سِوَاك is hard and you have to soak it in water in order to make it soft. So let's say you're soaking a سِوَاك in a cup and obviously there's water there, right? So that water a siwak was soaking in it and that siwak once upon a time was in somebody's mouth. So in a way their spit, their saliva has somehow touched the water. Right? It has entered the water. Jarir ibn Abdullah, he said to his family, you can use that water for performing wudu. There's no harm. So what does it show? That the saliva of a Muslim, of a believer, is not najis. It is not impure. Because especially when people are doing wudu from, let's say, a pot of water. They take water in their hand and they put it in their mouth and they spit that water out, but they're going to put that same hand back into that container. So so it's quite possible that their saliva, part of it, some of it has come, has entered into that water. So the point over here is that the saliva of a believer is not najis. It's not impure. So if somebody has drank from a glass of water, can you drink from there too? It's not haram upon you. As some people make it haram on themselves. I mean, you don't feel comfortable, it's okay. Somebody was sick, perfectly fine. Your immunity is very, very low. You don't have a strong immune system, it's okay. You don't feel comfortable, it's okay. But remember, it's not haram. This Ramadan, when people were doing irtikaf, in the men's side, there was a whole stack of water bottles, you know, that had like half, that were half full, that were basically used. People had forgotten those bottles or left those bottles and there was water in it. And so somebody asked that, what are you doing with this water? They said, we use it for tea. I said, how could you do that? They said, we boil it in the kettle. So when it boils, then whatever germs that could be in it are gone. So they were using that water for their tea. There is no harm in that. So the saliva of another believer, this is not something that's impure. حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا شعبة قال حدثنا الحكم قال سمعت أبا جحيفة 
ابو جحیفہ سد یقولو خواج علین رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم بالحاجرتی The messenger of Allah صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم he left and came to us بالحاجرہ at the time of hajirah What is hajirah? It's uh, midday, noon شدت الحر when it's extremely hot in the heat of midday basically that's when he came to these people and this was at حجت الوداع Okay, at حجت الوداع so the Prophet ﷺ was traveling he was away from Medina and he went to a certain people at this time at the time of Hajrah فَأُتْيَ بِوَضُوءٍ so he was brought some water فَتَوَضَّأَ then he performed wudu with it فَجَعَلَ النَّاسُ so the people began يَأْخُذُونَ they were taking مِنْ فَضْلِ وَضُوءِهِ from the leftover of his wudu water فَيَتَمَسْحُونَ بِهِ and then they were wiping themselves with that water فَصَلَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ So he prayed الظُّهْرَ The Zuhr Salah رَكَعَتَيْنْ Two Raka'as وَالْعَصْرَ And the Asr رَكَعَتَيْنْ Two Raka'as وَبَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ عَنَزَةً And before him was a عَنَزَةً What is عَنَزَةً? A spear, right? A short spear. So before him was that, why? For Sutra. And he joined his prayers Zuhr and Asr. Why? Because he was traveling. And it was the time of Zuhr, the time of Asr had not come yet. But he prayed Asr, why? Because you can join it with Zuhr when you're traveling. But what do we see in this hadith? That he performed wudu and the leftover water, the people started using it for themselves, they started wiping themselves with it. Why? For Barakah. And remember this is only for who? The Prophet ﷺ. No person after him. No person at all. You cannot say, you know, some very righteous person, some great scholar, no. Only the Prophet ﷺ. وَقَالَ أَبُو مُوسَى And Abu Musa said, دَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Prophet ﷺ, he asked for بِقَدَحٍ for a qadah. Qadah is a drinking bowl. Okay, a cup from which a person drinks. He asked for a qadah فِيهِ مَاءٌ In it was water. فَغَسَلَ يَدَيْهِ He washed his hands وَوَجْهَهُ And his face فِيهِ In it. Meaning, he washed his hands and his face in it, so the water that he used for washing his face and hands went back into that cup. This is a continuation of this hadith. He's explaining that hadith. So the water that touched his face, his hands went back into that cup. وَمَجَّفِيهِ And he also spat back into it. Meaning, when he rinsed his mouth, that water, he put it back into that cup. ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said, لَهُمَا to them to إِشْرَبَا مِنْهُ Drink from it. وَأَفْرِغَا عَلَى وُجُوهِكُمَا And pour it on your faces. وَنُحُورِكُمَا And your chests. You might say, how is that possible? How is that possible? Why did he do that? Now, remember that this was not the usual practice, habit of the Prophet ﷺ. That when he performed wudu, he would spit back into that bowl, into that container. Okay, he wouldn't do that. He did it especially for these companions. Secondly, we see that the spit, the saliva of a believer is not something that's impure. Okay, it's not something that's impure. So if it has slightly touched a cup or entered into some water, is that water clean? Yes. So when he rinsed his mouth and his mouth was very clean, Because we know that he used to do siwak so much. And after all, he was a messenger of Allah. So if he spit that water back into that container, that water was not impure. It was still clean. In fact, it became even better. 
And this is the reason why he told them that drink from it and also pour on yourselves, wash yourselves with it. Because inshallah, they should get shifa with that water. So remember that the leftover water or the used water of a believer, this is not something that is impure. It is completely clean. And we might find it you know, strange or we might not be 100% comfortable with it. But there are many things that we consider, we don't even think of doing, but other people, they're so comfortable with it. There could be certain foods that we cannot even imagine eating. But other people, they eat them like so easily. You know, children in their books and everything, you will find pigs a lot, right? In almost every kid's book, you will find pigs. And just to instill that that feeling that pigs are not clean, like we don't eat them, they're not as cute and pink as they seem on paper. In books, I told my son that this is not clean and this is haram. So he has that, you know, that aversion that this is not clean. And I'm sure that if I were to tell him that there are some people who eat it, he would be disgusted. But for other people, it's not a problem at all. Isn't it so? For us, you know, some people don't even say pig. They say P-I-G. Okay, I've heard it myself. They're so disgusted by it that they won't even say the word pig. And other people, it's not a problem for them. Likewise, there could be some things in your culture that are perfectly fine, and for others, they can't even think about it. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ, لا ينطق عن الهوى. He would not speak out of his own desire. So if he told the companions, drink from this water and wash yourselves with it, then obviously there must be some reason behind that. I remember somebody was asking me just the other day that is pepperoni halal? I'm like, of course, beef pepperoni. If the beef is halal, that pepperoni would be halal. But they said, what? How? She said, I can never eat it. Right? So just because you grew up with that feeling, right? this is why you're uncomfortable with it. So likewise for us to understand that, for us to even imagine that the people drank from that water that came out of somebody's mouth, right? it might be difficult for us to understand, but remember that he was a prophet of Allah wasallam. If a person is unconscious or something is stuck in their mouth or something, then you have to get them back to breathe. So you have to put your mouth onto their mouth. So in that process, if some saliva goes back and forth, it's not a problem. Okay, it's the saliva of a believer is not haram. Haddathana Ali ibn Abdullah, qala haddathana Ya'qub ibn Ibrahim ibn Sa'din, qala haddathana Abi an Salihin, an ibn Shihabin, qala akhbarani Mahmud ibn Rabi' qala wa huwa alladhi majja Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi wajhihi. Mahmud ibn Rabi' he was the one whom the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spat on his face. Why? Just in play, right? Just for fun. وَهُوَ غُلَامٌ While he was still a child. مِنْ بِئْرِهِمْ From their, from their well. Meaning the Prophet ﷺ took some water from their well. He had it in his mouth and he spat it onto his face. Mahmud ibn al-Rabir. Just to tease him, just for fun. So why did he do that? How could he do that? Because his saliva was clean. Okay? The saliva of a believer is not something that is impure. وَقَالَ عُرْوَةُ عَنِ الْمِسْوَرِ وَغَيْرِهِ يُصَدِّقُ كُلُّ وَاحِدٍ مِّنْهُمَا صَاحِبَهُ Each one of them confirms the truthfulness of his companion, meaning this narration is completely true. وَإِذَا تَوَضَّأَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ And when the Prophet ﷺ did wudu, كَادُوا They were near, they would almost يَقْتَتِلُونَ They would almost start fighting عَلَى وَضُوئِهِ Over his wudu water. Who? 
the Sahaba. So when he performed wudu, the leftover water, or the water that he had used, they would almost fight over it. They wanted it. And if it was not clean, they would not take it. And the Prophet ﷺ would never have allowed it for them either. So when he allowed it for them, this means that this water is pure and it can be used for washing oneself. And this statement, okay, وَإِذَا تَوَضَّأَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَادُوا يَقْتَتِلُونَ عَلَى وَضُوئِهِ This statement was said by somebody else as well. That Urwa ibn Masood al-Thaqafi, he was a non-Muslim at the time when the Muslims were going to Mecca for Umrah and they were not allowed to go so they were at Hudaybiyah and messengers were going back and forth between Mecca and Hudaybiyah and uh, you know some kind of uh, negotiation was being done so that at least the Muslims would be allowed to come to Umrah. And in that time, Urwa ibn Mas'ud, he came to the Prophet ﷺ to speak to him on behalf of the mushrikeen and he saw something amazing. And when he went back, he said to the people that, O oh, people of Quraysh, I have visited the kings of the world and I have had audiences with Qaisar and Kisra, the Persian emperor, and with the Negus. And I have never seen the followers of a king so devoted to their leader like the Sahaba in their devotion to Muhammad wasallam. And I have never seen any obedience amongst the followers of the kings like I have seen of the Sahaba with the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Whenever he would give them a command, they would rush to do it. And whenever he would speak, they would be silent as if birds are on their heads. And whenever he would make wudu, they would rush to get the droplets of water falling off his body. Whenever a hair would fall from him, they would try to get it. So, O oh people of Quraysh, Muhammad wasallam has given you an offer, accept it. Because I don't think that his followers will ever give him up. So anyway, what the Sahaba did in using the water of the Prophet wasallam, it was out of love, out of devotion, out of extreme honor, and this is something completely permissible. حدثنا عبد الرحمن بن يونس قال حدثنا حاتم بن إسماعيل عن الجعد قال سمعت السائب بن يزيد يقول he said ذهبت بخالتي she went with me who my aunt إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so my aunt took me to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالت so she said يا رسول الله or messenger of Allah Inna indeed ibn ukhti, the son of my sister, wadi'un. He is sick. He is very sick. Or waqi'a. What do you have? Waqi'a. Both are there. Wadi'un or waqi'a. Meaning he is very sick. Famasaha ra'si. So he wiped my head. Wada'a. And he prayed, leave for me bil baraka. For blessing. He prayed to Allah for blessing for me. Summa tawadda'a. Why do you think he wiped over his head? Out of love. You know when a child is before you, touch them. Give some importance to them. Like don't treat them like an object. So he paid attention to him. He wiped his hand over his head as if to say, it's okay, you'll get better soon inshallah. Because children, when they're experiencing sickness, it's very difficult for them. It's uh, with sadness. You know, they also get very sad. So he wiped his hand over his head as if to comfort him. And then he made dua for him for barakah. ثُمَّ تَوَضَّأَ And then he performed wudu. فَشَرِبْتُ So I drank min wudu'ihi From his wudu. From the water that he used for wudu, I drank that water. ثُمَّ then قُمْتُ I stood خَلْفَ ظَهْرِهِ Behind his back. فَنَظَرْتُ And then I saw, I looked at إِلَى to خَاتِمَ The seal of النُّبُوَّة The prophethood. Baina between katifayhi his shoulders. I saw the seal of prophethood 
between his shoulders. Mithli, it was like zirri, egg of al-hajala, of a pigeon. So it was that small in its size, just like the egg of a pigeon. Now you Google and you see what does a pigeon's egg look like? How big is it or how small is it? And this is so cute. He went behind the Prophet ﷺ, just like children. They don't sit in one place, right? So perhaps his aunt was still talking to the Prophet ﷺ about something. So he stood up and he went behind him looking and then he saw the seal of prophethood that said Muhammad Rasulullah. It was a physical mark on the body of the Prophet ﷺ. This is just like people have birthmarks, right? So he had that on his back between the two shoulders. And many companions saw it themselves. Amongst them was who? Salman al-Farisi. And also this companion. So anyway, we see in this hadith that he drank from the wudu water of the Prophet ﷺ. So that means it is pure. Could you ever be in a situation where you have to use somebody's leftover water? Hmm? It's possible that the water is very less. It's not much at all. And people have to share that water. So... Somebody used it, part of it, you know, part of the water from their face dripped back into the bowl or from their arm dripped back into the bowl and you feel like, nah, I can't even touch it. There's no harm. You can't touch it. You can't use it. And, you know, in this book, there are many exceptional cases that are mentioned, right? These are not normal situations. They happen, but very rarely. But even they're mentioned in this book. Is it necessary to know about these? Yes. Because... All of the time, you're not in an ideal situation. And when you are in that exceptional situation, that is when you need the answer. And in that case, you know, people get confused and they are in doubt and they leave salah altogether or they delay it altogether. This recently somebody was telling me that they were at the hospital and they were at the emergency for a very long time. They were waiting, waiting, waiting and Obviously, they had to pray there, they had to do wudu there, they didn't have access to water, so they couldn't wash themselves. And we learned earlier that as long as you wipe yourself clean properly, that is sufficient. You don't have to use water. So they were able to wipe themselves clean and they also prayed salah in that state. And they said they were so grateful that they had come to know of this. And if we were in a situation like that without this knowledge, then what would we do? Typically, what do people do? They don't pray. Or they delay their prayers. Whereas we know that salah is prescribed on us on certain times. The believer for sure. Otherwise, I don't know. Inshallah, I will check. The Prophet ﷺ, it was his practice that uh, when a, a child would be born, uh, he would be brought to him and the Prophet ﷺ would chew some small piece of date or something and he would put it in the mouth of that child. And this is something, remember, that only the Prophet ﷺ did. After him, the Sahaba never did this. So anyway, he did that. Why? Because his saliva was not impure. It was not unclean at all. So okay, inshallah, we'll conclude here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka.